Chapter 60 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 60 The Bloody Conspirators Bothered and Arrested. The last meeting that the sacredly secret conclave held at Tabernacle Hall was on the night when Hans and Tiefel said, "'Donner in Blitzen, I think you be a set of fools to be so scared. Mein Gott, I used to winch answer deacon wash bin well. Never before, since the organization of the bloody conclave, were they so long without calling a meeting. But as soon as the deacon was well, he had other matters to attend to, and then his unfortunate visit to the asylum, and the results that took place in Dr. Juno's office, hindered the call of a meeting until Deacon Rob Stew and Reverend Joe Peer were ready to be present. The Reverend Joe Peer was well pleased with the nursing he received at Tabernacle sick-room, at the hands of his beloved Nancy Clover. Therefore he was not anxious to hurry his convalescence. At any rate he was slower in recuperating than the deacon, who, however, had his love-stimulant in that third-story cell in the asylum. Therefore it can be seen what a powerful panacea love is. Neither of their affection was reciprocated by the ladies of their choice. But the saintly deacon got the worst dose of it, whilst the reverend lover received more kindly attention from Sister Nancy Clover, because her idol, General Washington Armington, was a lunatic, and beyond her holiest reach. After Deacon Stew had recovered from his wounds, that were inflicted upon him by Miss Armington's bite in his ear, which the young heroine nearly bit off, as also from the surgical operation performed by Dr. Juno, he called a meeting of the secret conclave for Saturday evening, sharp at eight o'clock, requesting a full attendance, as he had many important matters to discuss. On the night above mentioned, Reverend Joe Peer took the chair, as of old, and Deacon Rob Stew made the opening address who, however, seemed to be in many respects an altered man since he last met with them. Some conjectured that his altered condition was owing to the beating that he had received on that eventful night, when he and Reverend Joe Peer were nearly killed. Others thought that his long confinement in a sick-room caused the change. At any rate, the deacon spoke gently as follows. Brothers and sisters of the sacredly secret conclave, I rise to say, that I have seen much that was disagreeable and mysterious since I have met with you in this hall. I am not splenetic and rash, but yet I have that within me which goads me on to victory in the work which was instituted through my instrumentality. We are besieged on all sides by those heretics who believe in and follow the teachings of Dr. Juno, and unless we can exercise a powerful, unanimous influence with the orthodox religious classes, and also with those who deal in the merchandise to which Dr. Juno is opposed, we are lost. Yes, I say this for the benefit of every member of the conclave, lost. Just think, I have been compelled to listen to the recital of our solemn oath by Dr. Juno himself, and, after he had finished its recital, he had the audacity to ask me, "'Deacon, how do you like my style of an oath?' And he looked at me with an eye that said, 
don't I have your oath verbatim?' "'What did you answer him?' asked Reverend Joe Pierre, and continued, "'For I am actually feeling weak in my loins to be compelled to listen to this dangerous story of Brother Stew.' "'I said nothing, because I was struck with amazement,' replied the deacon. "'How does it come that you are found in company with this vile innovator?' said Nancy Clover. "'Do you not know that Dr. Juno mobbed the insane asylum one night a few weeks since, and liberated Miss Lucinda Armington?' responded the deacon, looking distressed. "'Why, certainly this is news to me, and I think it's so to the balance of the saints,' said Nancy Clover. "'Further, I cannot understand why he has not been arrested for so doing, and why this matter should be kept quiet. If he is not summarily punished for breaking the peace, and for intruding himself upon our holy institutions, he will grow bolder and become a more dangerous rival in the field of conflict." "'Noble Sister Clover, you argue well,' said Reverend Joe Pierre, "'and I tremble, fairly shake in my boots at this awfully perilous state of affairs. Friends, will you hear me out before you come to such conclusions, or before you censure any of the saints for keeping this matter quiet?' asked Deacon Rob Stew. "'Of course we will.' responded Nancy Clover. "'Well, then, the reason for treating this outrage with perfect silence is self-evident. Namely, should we expose Dr. Juno, as he dared us to do, he would profit by it at our peril, because Miss Armington is now at liberty, whilst Dr. Juno is surrounded by a numerous and determined army of soldiers, who obey his commands without prevarication or hesitation. In fact, it is said that his men are ready to invade even this sacred hall and arrest us all, which would be an end of us," said Deacon Rob Stew. "'Holy Ghost, look down from above and shield me! Oh, oh, Lord, I feel that we are lost, lost, lost! I have always been fearful that we would make some awful blunder and we'd be hung some day. Oh, Lord, I feel a choking sensation already! exclaimed Reverend Joe Peer, who was interrupted by Sister Nancy Clover. "'You have always been a contemptible coward, and I order you to shut Pan. If you cannot encourage the saints, do not discourage them. But I want to hear our noble deacon finish what he has to say, when I will show you a plan to save our cause, and that will explode Dr. Juno's movements.' "'Noble, holy, immaculate Sister Clover!' said Joe Pierre. You do so comfort me and calm my fears, for I have never found you to fail in anything." "'Silence!' ejaculated Nancy Clover, and let the deacon finish." The deacon continued. "'Dr. Juno knows all our secrets, but how he has obtained them I am puzzled to know, because I cannot believe that we have one brother or sister who would be wicked enough to violate our solemn oath knowing what would be the result. "'Yes, let them remember Harry Gossamer's fate,' interposed Reverend Joe Peer. "'I am not a coward,' continued the deacon. "'But since Miss Armington is at liberty, whilst Dr. Juno is surrounded by good and influential men, I must say that great danger is hanging over the sainthood. Still, I am in favor of rallying the friends of the elect all over the country.' 
but I am myself a prisoner of war, being under parole, and should I be found to aid or abet in this movement, I would be mobbed and shot or hung." "'I cannot think it,' exclaimed Nancy Clover. "'Nor can I see why you lay so much stress upon the freedom of Miss Armington. She is nothing but a chit of a thing, who has always depended upon her father, who is a confirmed lunatic.' "'Do not deceive yourself, noble sister Clover,' interrupted Deacon Stew, "'about Miss Armington, for she is anything but a chit of a thing. She is a perfect demon, a tigress, a strategist, and a cunning, fierce, and deep woman, who will wield more influence by half than any living man if she gets a chance.' "'She shall not get a chance, then,' responded Nancy Clover. "'Then she will make a chance.' for she has outwitted and outgeneraled me on every occasion," said the deacon. At this instant a furious knock was made upon the outside door, and like lightning the same was burst open, when Dr. Juno stepped into the hall and said, "'I arrest you all!' End of chapter 60